The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. From the Blue Wire Studios at the Wynn in Las Vegas, welcome to a special edition episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson. And yes, I'm in Las Vegas having a blast this weekend, visiting the city for the first time, Check it out, this amazing podcast studio that Blue Wire, who has been an amazing partner to us at Sox Machine and the Win Las Vegas have put together. Like, this is what people call hashtag goals for me personally. One day I'll have a podcast studio like this, either at my home or maybe we'll have a Sox Machine studio at Bridgeport one day. Who knows? But in this episode, we'll start with White Sox baseball talk as they just wrapped up their American League East road trip winning their last two games in St. Petersburg, Florida, to surprise the Rays and White Sox fans in general. The Chicago White Sox are now 25-27, and 27, but they're still five games back of the Minnesota Twins, and they're still behind Cleveland in the American League Central as they are in third place. But of course, American League can't be normal this year, and all of a sudden, a path to the wild card has opened up for the White Sox that was not expected. We'll explain in a moment, along with checking out the latest hot socks bats at Danny Mendick and Jake Berger. The second half of the show, we're going to talk about Vegas. Most people love hearing crazy Vegas stories, and I've got one this weekend that I'll never forget and look forward to sharing that story with you. But we know that Vegas has a real possibility of landing a Major League Baseball franchise, whether that's a team relocating to the city or an expansion team. We've spoken to various people in Vegas in the industry to get a local vibe, and we'll, de- we'll debate if Vegas is truly ready for Major League Baseball and if Major League Baseball is ready for Las Vegas. So let's get started. Joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And also joining for this special episode is our good friend from the 108. It's Beef Loaf, who tagged along with me on this Vegas trip. So Jim, who joins us remotely, Hello, and uh, it's a bit surprising that the uh, the White Sox, in a way, steal two wins away from the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. I'd say it would be surprising, except that I picked them to 
pick up 19 wins during this gauntlet stretch we're talking about. <laughs> now that they're at 18 with the Dodgers coming up and three games against them. So I'm on track for my prediction to be correct. Yes, I have failed. The White Sox have performed better in this gauntlet than I was expecting, which is a good thing. You know, set yourself up for disappointment and just be, you know, ready when good things happen. I'm not sure I'm ready for Jim to be the glass half full guy, but I really love it, actually, Jim. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I want to give you a slap on the fanny for that one. <laughs> There's a good chance, Jim. I mean, we'll talk about the Dodgers series in a moment. We're not going to have like a big breakdown because I don't want to get depressed talking about the next opponent for the Chicago White Sox and how much they're better than the White Sox currently. But during this gauntlet, it is a bit surprising that after the toughest stretch of the season that we identified, it originally was 38 games, but a rainout made it 37 games. That the White Sox have an opportunity to either finish slightly below 500 or even slightly above 500, despite all the problems that this roster has. And they just keep chugging along. And we have seen that Andrew Vaughn has been helping out with the offense in a big way. He continues to rake. Jose Abreu is starting to wake up, which is a really good sign. Luis Robert had a three-hit game on Sunday. That's a good sign. But now we have seen the emergence, Jim, of Jake Berger mm -hmm. and how hot he has been. So let's talk about Jake Berger. I wanted him to replace Gavin Sheets as the DH because Gavin Sheets is not hitting anything. And just for the sake of let's see if anyone else can get hot, let's give Jake Berger that chance. And right now, Jim, Jake Berger's hot. He is, except when he isn't. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at him, depending on which at bat you catch, you might think that he's overmatched or he'll uh, you know, kind of fall into the same faults that other White Sox hitters have to where the, you know, too many grounders, you know, instant double play. Uh, swing goes down swinging at all four pitches. He sees three of them out of the zone, but then he comes through with a uh, go ahead homer and a, and a key double when it looked like he was setting up for one of those disappointing double plays. So I think what you can say about him is that you don't know what you're going to get. And I think at this stage in his career where he's trying to establish himself and he, you know, went all those years that you know, he reps because of the injuries and, and the pandemic, that it's ultimately a plus. I think that you can say about him, he'd rather you know, have him be a kind of a mystery uh, at bat to at bat versus somebody, you know, isn't going to come through or like, I'm, I'm thinking like Yasmani Grandal right now with the way he's swinging, like you don't have a good feeling about him with Berger. I just, uh, I'm ready for any kind of outcome, positive or negative. And it makes it hard to feel like, you know, I want him as the everyday third baseman, but I don't mind seeing him in the lineup in key spots based on who else is there. Like I'd rather have him it come up than like Grandal or Pollock or, really uh, anybody besides, you know, like the top three or four. And, and that's my follow-up question. And that is the pressing question here, Jim, in regards to the lineup. Because you say pressing or depressing? <laughs> pressing. <laughs> pressing <laughs> issue with the lineup. For Tony the Russa, obviously, he, hear, he gets a lot, right? Every time there's a new lineup that gets posted on social media, there's a flood. Uh, I, I'm not going to say negative commentary, Critical commentary, because at times I'm also critical of it. Like, why is Andrew Vaughn batting seventh in the lineup? What is going on, Tony? But he has to find this balance now of you have to give at-bats to Yohan McCott and Yasmani Grandal, Jim, because you need them to pick it up. They are your core players. The expectation is that they are playing and meeting their expectations. They are the reason why the Chicago White Sox were, were the favorite to win the American League Central and why so many people 
outside of Chicago also thought the White Sox could be a World Series contender in 2022. But they are struggling. And you are five games back. And you are below 500. And here you have Jake Berger, who is hitting, while mm-hmm. those two are not. So how do you how do you think Tony the Russo should balance this here of one side, you need to give the struggling guys their opportunities, but you also need to play the hot hands. Well, I disagree with the part about Grindall needing a bat. I think he'd go on the injured list based on his description of what he's going through right now with you know mm. trying to build up strength with his knees. It's like you could do that on your own time. Like it doesn't have to be uh, you know, it doesn't sound like game reps are doing anything for him. He says it's gonna be like a week's long process anyway. So take a couple weeks off, go in the weight room, take a, a nice long rehab stint to use those game reps because the way he's swinging and the way he's not really driving the ball to the pole field, like he would be hard pressed to do damage against triple a pitching the way he's looking right now. So I think you call up Carlos Perez and, and have him pair with McGuire and get more out of lineup that way. So I, I, but with Makata, you know, I just, it seems like he needs reps, but also just, it's hard to know, but I think with the way he plays defense, at least he offers something when he's on the field. I think the mm-hmm. way I would approach lineup is like, don't get an Andrew Vaughn's way. Like, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, maybe you don't want a batting leadoff because, you know, you like having a little bit of speed in front just to not clog the bases in case you do get extra base hits behind. But like, I like Danny Mandic hitting leadoff the way he's swinging the bat. Like, sure, reward a guy who's been having good at bats, get him up there, see what happens. And he came up with a hit and scored a run. That's fine. But I think, like, once you're talking, like, two, three, four, or five, like, don't get in Andrew Vaughn's way. So if you have to endure a Larry Garcia at bat or a Yohan Mankata at bat or a Yasmani Grandal at bat, hoping that the game gets to Vaughn, I think you've screwed up. <laughs> That's kind of how I look at it. Like, Jose Abreu, I don't see him as the guy who, like, gets in Vaughn's way. Luis Robert, he's been up and down since coming back, but I also like seeing him at the plate. But I think after those guys, uh, you know, I don't think Berger qualifies, so... You know, Vaughn batting the top four and then Berger batting fifth sounds more or less good to me. Like, I think Pollock can also be in that leadoff mix. Like, I don't mind him batting first, but I think, like, he's another guy where if he's two, three, four, five, I don't necessarily like that. So, you know, basically, if, if Vaughn's in the top four and Berger's probably five or six, depending on the matchup, I, I think that sounds good to me. And then everything else is more or less, uh, I guess, the way LaRusse has been doing it punch a button, see what order comes up. and and, and have Jerry Naren really illustrate it beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Beef Love, I'll pose that question to you because this is the pressing question, and this is where Tori LaRusso is going to get criticized. Again, Grandal and Makata. Well, okay, and Jim makes a good point. If Grandal's hurt, go on the injury. Right, list. I would agree. But if the struggling core players still need to be in the lineup, and you have this hot bat right now in Jake Berger, who is coming up with big hits, how do you balance this? Because Berger either plays third base or DHs, and you've got right. like five guys who could DH right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to have to push it towards, you know what, uh, as Jim mentioned right off the uh, the gate with uh, Jake Berger, his at-bats are volatile. He goes up there sometimes and looks like he doesn't have a clue, and then the next time he's got a ton of thunder in his bat. But you need that positive side of that volatility because the White Sox just aren't scoring enough. So you have to take risks there and say, I will put the guy in the lineup that could – yank the ball out of the ballpark because the rest of these guys really can't do it. I would, at this point, I would neglect Mancata's uh, need for reps. I'd play him as much as I could, but I would, I would prioritize putting uh, Jake Berger in the lineup. I actually, I agree with your uh, thought process. Gavin Sheets, you're either relegated to the bench for when we really need you, or you're relegated to finding yourself a nice apartment in Charlotte and give, (laughs) give Jake Berger those DH at bats. 
Uh, I also agree with Jim about the uh, about the lineup. I, I'm not much of a uh, – I, I don't scream and yell about the lineup, but as long as Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, and Luis Robert are in the top four, to me that's a lineup. Pick the rest out of a hat. I don't really care. But as long as those three guys are in the top four. All right, so, Jim, let's talk about Danny Mendick. Is this a trap? Like, we've seen this before from Danny. Like, he's had good weeks, right? Mm -hmm. He's had good weeks, and then people are sold on the idea, oh, my gosh, Danny Mendick should be the starting second baseman for the rest of the season for the Chicago White Sox. And then he gets cold. And then everyone's like, why is Danny Mendick on the team? He should mm -hmm. be in Charlotte. Where's my Yobert Sanchez? I've been asking about Yobert Sanchez this entire time. So Danny Mendick is like eight for nine for 21 since he's rejoined the White Sox. Not a lot of pop. He just has one double, but he's got eight singles. He's not striking out a lot. He has one strikeout. He's got one walk. So he's doing the best that he can right now trying to imitate Tim Anderson while Anderson is on the IL because of his groin injury of finding a way to get on base. Mm -hmm. Is this another trap for White Sox fans where they sell themselves on Danny Mendick and then they get sorely disappointed when he gets cold and he struggles and then they yell into the void of, all right, it's time for somebody else to try at second base. Because right now you have White Sox fans selling themselves in the idea that, hey, when Tim Anderson's back, forget Josh Harrison, forget Larry Garcia, let Danny Mendick be the starting second baseman. I don't think it's a bad thought process as long as you allow yourself to understand that Mendick could look considerably different four weeks from now. Like, as you mentioned, like he does, right. he does start seasons hot, like overexposure has been a problem for him. So I'm more inclined to take this as like a, a gift that he's right now stepping in kind of like the patented, uh, Garcia hot streaks, like when he'd take over for an Anderson or a Moncada playing a position that normally he wouldn't produce for. That's when he would produce like his, his two weeks of his best work. Like I said, the tribute band, like covering really good material. He's covering Tim Anderson. So it's going to sound good, even if he's not quite the original. Um, yeah, I think Mendick maybe, you know, has a little bit of that going on right now. But the one thing you mentioned, the strikeouts, I think that's kind of key for him. Like if his strikeout rate remains lower, I don't think he's necessarily a ground ball guy or a fly ball guy. Like he does make enough line drive type contact to where like maybe the extra balls in play will work out in his favor to where like he's got a below average bats or like a bat that complements his his you know glove well enough to be an adequate fill-in for the middle infield position. So I'm open-minded, but for the time being, I'm more or less taking it as like he looks good now. Uh, Garcia doesn't look good. Harrison has moments and then he falls back into his medium contact trap to where, you know, he's, he's a bit of a trap. Yeah. And, and so I think it's kind of a, a little bit of a minefield in terms of like, you know, going on one path and then making sure that, uh, well, haven't hit a mine in a while. So, uh, are we due for an explosion to where like all of a sudden, yeah. um, you know, it's a setback and, and, and now we have to regroup and, and, and consider. So I'm trying not to overthink it when it comes to, uh, you know, what exactly La Russa should do uh, at the end of June. I'm more or less thinking of it like, what's the next series look like? And right now, with the way Mendick swung the bat, like, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago, I'd say like, Mendick is leadoff guy, get out of here. But for the right. way he's been swinging, like, sure, reward him. Like, <laughs> I think uh, the lineup has been so hit and miss that if, if one guy is a good series, sure, elevate him, uh, you know, as a treat. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I guess beef loaf. I just cautioned White Sox fans penciling in Danny Mendick as the starting everyday second baseman when Tim Anderson returns. I know a lot of White Sox fans hate this phrase, but enjoy the ride. <laughs> Danny Mendick is playing well right now. Enjoy it. Just let's not pencil anything in long term. Yeah, the, the Danny Mendick experience right now is being fueled by like a 450 Babip. So, I mean, like you, you, sustainable. you can just look at totally sustainable. And, and like you mentioned, there's almost no power in the profile here. And you can just kind of look at it and say, that's probably not going to go for very long. But, I mean, the cautionary tale, and also maybe we we get some benefit from this. To me, he looks like 2011 Brent Lillibridge. 2011 Brent Lillibridge had a nice 200-plus paid appearance season, and then he was basically finished being a, a usable major leaguer after that. Maybe we just get that out of Danny Mendick this year. Maybe we get 200, 300 played appearances of really good that helps this move this team along, and we should, you know, just enjoy that. Why, you know... Why worry about it? Is he a long-term solution? So what? Let's just take what we get right now. And it is, we White Sox fans have to be thankful because this does remind me, Jim, of last year. The way that Jake Berger and Danny Mendick are hitting right now and helping the White Sox win these types of games against the Tampa Bay Rays. And maybe they steal one or maybe they surprise everyone and they win the upcoming series against the Los Angeles Dodgers at home because Jake Berger hits another big home run or Danny Mendick goes three for five at the plate. It reminds mm-hmm. me of last year in May and June when the White Sox needed these surprising performances from Brian Goodwin and Jake Lamb uh, just to come out of nowhere, even your Mercedes to a point, obviously in the month of April, to carry the White Sox because the other core players are struggling a little bit and you just have to enjoy these short-lived surprise out- offensive outbursts because... They're not going to last long. So while we, I'm happy the way that Jake Berger is hitting, and Danny Mendick has been a pleasant surprise filling in for Tim Anderson, I'm not sold it's sustainable long-term, but mm-hmm. I think it works in the short term. I would say it's a, it's a good comp. Like, you know, we talked about it before, how, you know, how would the White Sox, how would they have looked in 2021 had Yermin Mercedes not had is five weeks to remember. And I think we're kind of getting that simulation now, like, uh, you know, they're, they're scrambling for bats in April and, and kind of throwing a lot of guys in the DH mix and not working. But as you mentioned, like the complimentary players, like Brian Goodwin and Jake Lamb kind of showing up and 
find them a couple weeks here and a couple weeks there. That's kind of starting now. So I can see that. And I'll throw another comp for, you know, for Jake Berger. How about like, I kind of get Daniel Polka feelings out of it. Not necessarily like, I huh. think his plate approach, his back control is like a little bit better. But in terms of just the randomness of the at-bats, the delivering when you don't necessarily think it's going to happen, the disappearing when you think it might, uh, and just uh, kind of feeling like uh, his, his uh, quality of plate appearance is on shuffle. Uh, but you don't necessarily uh, tune out when he's hitting. I think that's kind of the the feeling I'm get. That's a good question from our uh, <laughs> guest from the 108. Yes. Do you get Daniel Polka vibes a little, from Jake? A Berger? little bit, and I love that comp from Jim. I actually, uh, I said on the 108 podcast, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I said, if we got 2018 Daniel Polka out of Gavin Sheets, we would be thrilled because mm-hmm. that's what this team needs. It needs an infusion of power. Daniel Polka was a very flawed player. He had a slightly above average hitting season in 2018, but those 27 home runs would be really valuable in the 2022 environment right now. Just a slightly above average hitter that hits with a lot of thunder. That The White Sox need that desperately right now, so I would love if Jake Berger came through with a year that looked kind of like that. One other note is that it was nice to see on Sunday with the way that Jake Berger and Andrew Vaughn were driving the baseball that two first-round picks for the Chicago White Sox are contributing to the lineup and to the offense. So that's really good to see. All right, so again, the White Sox are 25 and 27. And the upcoming series is the Los Angeles Dodgers as they visit the Chicago White Sox from Tuesday through Thursday. And the Dodgers, obviously, are one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. So this is going to be a very tough test for the White Sox, who are not uh, at 100%. They don't have all of their key and star players. Obviously, it would be great if Tim Anderson was in the lineup for the White Sox to face the Los Angeles Dodgers. But, Jim, I want to look at the playoff picture because maybe I was just too much in the Vegas haze this weekend, but I had no clue that the Angels were collapsing. Uh, They have lost 11 straight games, and that has dramatically changed on how the American League playoff picture looked because I know it's early, but the Yankees and Astros are clearly the two best teams. The Minnesota Twins are 32 and 24. The Blue Jays are 31 and 22. And the Rays are 31 and 23. All five of these teams are on pace right now to win more than 92 games in 2022. Now that's on pace. That's taking their current winning percentage and multiplying over 162 games. It's not projected. That's different. That's projection systems come up with a different win loss record. I'm talking about on pace. Before the Angels had their collapse, it really felt like you're going to have to win more than 90 games to make the playoffs of the American League. But now they have lost 11 straight games. Your sixth seed is a three-way tied with the Angels, who are 27-28, the Guardians, who are 24-25, the Red Sox, who are 26-27, and a half game out of the playoffs all of a sudden by not playing great baseball is the Chicago White Sox at 25 and 27. So it seems now, Jim, what was definitely not a possibility two weeks ago as far as a long-term outlook in 2022 of the sixth seed is really not going to be an option for the White Sox because if they're going to win 91 games to be the sixth seed, they're going to win the American League Central with that right. record. But now with this collapse, Jim, does this change the thinking currently about this White Sox team where, my gosh, they are so disappointing, and I have this horrible gut feeling they're not going to make the postseason, to, well, thank you for collapsing, Angels. Now there's hope. I think, you know, with the way the Twins have, you know, not 
broken yet with all their injuries and their illnesses and so forth. Um, they went to Toronto and took two out of three there, which looks impressive based on the way the White Sox looked in Toronto that um, it does require a little bit of context bringing the league into it. I think it's a little bit disappointing to bring the league into it just because uh, you know we expected the White Sox to win the division, maybe not like running away with it like they did last year, but at least comfortably looking like they were the best team and any other team would have to like snatch it from them. Right now, they have not done that. So on one hand, I want to say like, yeah, they got the wild card still available, expanded playoffs. But on the other hand, like, it already feels like the White Sox took a shortcut with this whole, um, you know, making the postseason twice in a row by having the COVID year where they finished third in the AL Central. And that was good enough. Like now I'm kind of upping the bar for Rick Hahn saying like, that doesn't count. Uh, you have to win the division twice in a row to really feel like you, you set history here. And they're not quite there yet. I, I will say that the uh, Red Sox beat Oakland on the West Coast. So they now have a half game edge for that uh, second wild card or the, the final wild card spot. So the angels and, and guardians are half game back, but look at the run differential um, red Sox plus 38 angels plus 11 Cleveland plus 26 white Sox minus 56. So, so that's, <laughs> that's just that big glaring red number there. That just makes me think, uh, you know, that, like they, they took four out of six against the Rays, scoring three, 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 and six runs in the six games. Um, yeah. That's, I, I don't know what to do with that yet because that screams like regression, 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 run away. But, you know, as we talked about this gauntlet, the schedule easing up, like this is like a, as much of a wild ride as the angels have had and the Red Sox have had here and there with like hot weeks and terrible weeks where they look like nothing's going right. I think we could see the same thing with the White Sox, hopefully in reverse to where like, you know, come, come like the second half of June, we're talking about a team that like looks like it's taking its rightful place and the twins are looking over their shoulders. But we also know that with the White Sox, you know, volatility and the way just you know, with the injuries and inconsistencies and things we feared about the White Sox coming into the season that, you know, they have to prove it. They have no benefit of doubt, even when the schedule eases up, because, hey, look at that, their record against the Central. Keith Loaf, are you more are you more hopeful about the White Sox turning this around and make it into the postseason in 2022? I, I am, but it's not necessarily uh, indicated by the. Uh, where you know that the wild, additional wild card uh, position is available to them because of teams slumping right now. We're a third into the season. It's just when you start seeing things crystallize. And just looking at Cleveland made me laugh. Two weeks into the season, I was like, "Oh, this Cleveland offense—it's much better than we thought." And it's it's you know in the top of all these categories, and now it's slid back to like a league average offense. You know, so sometimes these things take a little bit of time. And you you even mentioned uh, the Angels losing eleven in a row. Uh, we saw it up front. We saw two different series with Boston. We went to Boston. They couldn't score a run. They couldn't hit. You could throw everyone, you know, except for their main three hitters, everything center cut. They did nothing with it. They came to Chicago and they scored like 35 runs against us. I mean, yep. it, it, things change so quickly in these environments. So my thought at this point is, yes, I, I'm feeling a little more confident just because of, in general, the pool's volatility. But it's still just this team needs to play better. This team needs to score more runs. And I, I'm not ready to give up on uh, the current core bouncing back at least – you know, you look at uh, Yasmani Grandal, who, like Jim mentioned, is probably hurt. You look at uh, Yohan Mankata, who's been horrible so far. Even if you got 80th, you know, 80% of their 50 percentile, uh, you'd, you'd be making out great with this team. The fact that they've cratered so bad gives me some hope that, you know, these guys pop back up even a little bit, and this White Sox team is going to be in business. Yeah, the Angels didn't lose 11 straight games. Let's say they were 6-5 and five during that stretch. And they were still on pace to win more than 92 games. Yeah. 
we're talking about a White Sox team that's five games back of the Twins, and they're like five games back of the sixth seed as well. Like they right, really need right. to get this turned around. All of a sudden, though, the bottom has dropped out, and everyone has fallen back to the White Sox <laughs> in the American League Central. So while it is not satisfied, uh, yes, when Steve Stone yells at you on Twitter that the White Sox are in the playoff picture, technically he is right, Jim. <laughs> yeah, like when it comes to like the Angels, like uh, we talked about, I think it was in a live show that I said that the Tungsten Armo Doyle tweet has to be true. Like it's such a good tweet that it can't yes. be wrong. Um, you know, Mariners too, like I was, I was kind of bearish on them just because they've never shown an ability to put it together. Jerry DePoto has never shown the ability to build a team that he likes and sticks with. So like those two teams, I was kind of not sold on, um, in the way the angels started the season, they've always had the talent to have a, a hot start, but I just, there's always something about them that seems snake bitten. And this would be the kind of the way to do it. Same thing. I think they're kind of like the equivalent of the Phillies. We just saw the Phillies, uh, you know, fired Joe Girardi because their roster is lopsided and uh, Girardi might not be the best, best fit for getting the most out of young players who need to step up and replace and, and provide some defense and fill in some of the gaps that Dombrowski uh, created with the way he went about building his team. So, yeah, it's just it is uneven. It is, uh, you know, I guess volatility is the word for this uh, podcast, just because whether we're talking about individuals or teams, um, you know, whether it's uh, you know, the, the ball, the weather, the lopsided schedules, the uneven preparation, injuries, COVID, whatnot. It does seem like teams look vastly different every two weeks or so. And White Sox may look vastly different later this week when we have Sox Machine Live as we recap the Chicago White Sox series against the Los Angeles Dodgers and preview the upcoming weekend series against the Texas Rangers. That will do it for the first part of our shows from Las Vegas. Thank you so much for listening. If you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. And if you enjoy our work and you want more, think about signing up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine to receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website at SoxMachine.com. And the first opportunity to obtain our new Sox Machine swag. We have monthly plans starting at $2 a month, and you can save with an annual subscription. Again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. The second half of our show from Las Vegas will be in the Sox Machine Podcast feed shortly. But I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.